0: Hello there, and welcome to episode 241. We are back with a wonderful guy you may remember, Braden Drake. He is a licensed attorney and tax professional from the great state of California. You probably remember his tagline, your gay best friend, here to help you get your legal and tax shit legit. Yes, Braden is back. He works primarily, as you may remember, with service-based, creative, small business owners through courses where he educates on everything from contracts to business entities to cash flow to systems and everyone's favorite subject, taxes. So much fun. You can reach out to Braden at the end of this episode at BraydenAdamDrake on Instagram or hello at dot. Calm. Since there is absolutely no way around them, unless you are a huge corporation, in which case it seems like there's a million ways around them. For the rest of us though, we pay taxes, right? And we can't deny they're happening. We know year after year, we're going to be called on to pay this amount of money that we have held in trust for the government. Most of us, or a lot of us, or some of us, I guess, pay quarterly taxes, and occasionally we pay too much and get a little refund, which feels like exciting found money, but actually it's just your money and you overpaid. But for some, it's a real struggle to make sure to put aside the money acquired from projects and product sales to put that money aside and make sure you have it when it's time to pay your taxes. So we want to talk about some strategies that might make it a little bit easier. We also get into a conversation about what happens when you commingle your business and personal finances. I know when I was younger, I was really loose about that kind of stuff. I'm super strict about it now because the very last thing any of us wants is an audit. It is a miserable, horrible experience. I know some designers who have been through it. It is not something you want to have to go through. But if you do have to go through it, boy, you really want your records to be impeccable and clean, at least as clean as possible. If you do remember Braden, you know he makes things very easy to digest and hopefully this will just nudge you into taking care of this important aspect of your business. Before we jump into the episode, we'll hear from Cheryl Horn. We're really glad you're here.
1: I'm going to try and keep things super short this week. I realized last week I rambled on for almost 10 minutes about what's included with membership and the conversations I have with potential members all the time, but, uh, it did work because we got we got a whole lot of new members this week, so welcome. And uh, the number of emails and phone calls I got actually reduced. And I do enjoy those phone calls. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't trying to cut my workload. I do like talking to those um, uh, new members before they sign up and then a few months later talking to them again once they've started uh, the work in membership. But. Anyway, so today, I will keep it short. Tomorrow, BOD Live, we're talking about your operations manual. Uh, So mark your calendar, 1 p.m. EST. Please check your local time to make sure you're joining us at the right time. Um, Make sure your audio and video are on. And we're going to have a face-to-face conversation, again, about your operations manual. Uh, It's been out for almost a year at this point, so we want members to share. Uh, We're not so much going to be talking about the systems within it, um, although some... Sections of the operations manual are quite different. You know, they're not included within BOD programming, like HR and and things like that. But um, we want to know about how you are implementing an operations manual in your office, whether you are working on your own, whether you're planning to hire or already have a team. uh, We want to share advice, what works, what doesn't. And we're going to have that conversation tomorrow. So hopefully you can all join us for BOD Live. Thanks so much. Take care.
2: preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
0: Braden, Adam, Drake, how are you? Good to see you again.
3: I'm well how are you happy to be back
0: yeah we're I'm good I was excited to talk to you last time was really um, you were able to move the needle on something that uh, that I was really stuck on so I was I'm grateful for that this time so excited to see you. I'm not sure I'm excited to talk about taxes or preparing for taxes or saving for taxes or, frankly, anything to do with taxes. But if anyone can make it sound interesting, I know it's you, Braden. What do we need to think about in terms of being prepared to pay those darn taxes?
3: Well, lots of things to think about. I will tell you, I am very excited for this conversation because I love taxes so much. After law school and the bar exam, I went and did a full master's program in tax law. I was so excited about it. So we're going to break it down. So the main thing is we all got to pay taxes, right? So we have to understand what our tax obligations, income tax, sales tax. My primary expertise is income tax, sales tax, whole different ballgame. When it comes to income taxes, we have to pay taxes on a quarterly basis. We have to do our bookkeeping, track our business expenses, and we have to file an annual tax return. So most of us understand that. We just have to break it down from there. I would say most of us understand that. A lot of new business owners are not paying quarterly taxes. We could talk a lot about that as well.
0: Even a new business owner needs to pay quarterly taxes. I thought that was something that happened when you got to a a certain threshold.
3: Yeah. The rule is very arbitrary. Like The rule is very... I don't even like to give the rules. It's very confusing. But Essentially, most people in their first year of business can get away with not paying quarterly taxes, but I always tell my students, as soon as you're operating at a profit, you should start saving for your taxes, and if you're already saving for your taxes, you might as well pay them quarterly. Um, After our first year in business, if we're running a profit, then most of us end up owing penalties and interest if we don't pay quarterly taxes, which a lot of people don't realize.
0: How the heck do you know what to save for taxes?
3: It's a great question. (laughs) What the way that I teach it is we come up with what I call your your tax percentage. And all that is is we add up all of your household income. So if you have, if you're full-time in your business and then you have a spouse who has a full-time job, we're gonna lump in all the income. And then we're gonna look at how much tax your household pays to the IRS and to the state. So if you bring home $100,000 as a family and 20,000 went out in taxes, then your household tax rate is 20%. So I have people save in that circumstance, 20% of every dollar that comes into the business gets automatically set aside. And then whatever is in that savings account, each quarter is what we pay out in taxes.
0: So when you save 20% off the top of whatever comes in, do you save 20% including the sales tax on goods, for example, or do you have to break, do you have to get that picky? Yeah,
3: we want to, yeah, we want to separate the sales tax first. So sales tax, sales tax is different. The way we want to look at the sales tax is, okay, let me back up. Income tax is tax that we are going to end up owing based on the amount of income we're bringing into our business, right? So that's our income that we're then like converting it into taxes and giving it to the IRS sales tax is different because it's sales tax is never ours. It's something that we're just holding on behalf of the state. So as soon as we get that money, we want to kind of shuffle it over into its own account and pretend like we never even collected it. It's not ours. We're just holding it, uh, for the state.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yes, yes, yes. I know. um, So is it, would it be easy for someone then if you're using a simple program like QuickBooks, would it be easy for you to calculate? uh, Do you calculate on a monthly basis how much you should put aside for your income tax savings or do you calculate with every single check that comes in?
3: We do it, so I actually have people use a phone app to do this. It's, it's a little long, it's, it feels a little wacky because it's not technically a business tool, but it's an app called Capital that I used to call Quapital because it's spelled Q-A-P-I-T-A-L. And it's really meant to help people with savings, right? So it helps you save for a vacation, helps you save for a new car, helps you save for whatever you want. But it has all these fun rules you can set up. And we use one just called the freelance rule. And what it is, is you connect it to your bank account, any bank account. So in this case, we connect it to our business bank account. And I'm gonna tell Capital, I want you to automatically save this specific percentage every time money hits my bank account. So client A pays me $1,000, It takes out 20% and saves it. And then I have it all in a savings account. I have a debit card connected to this phone app. And I don't touch the money in there. I just go once per quarter and send that money straight to the IRS. That's how we do it.
0: That's amazing. I love that. And this app also helps you save for other things, like if you're saving for your first home.
3: Yeah, it's the the one tricky thing about it is it won't let you open multiple accounts. So if we're going to use it for business taxes, you don't want to use it for anything personal because you can only link it to one bank account. For all of you designers, um, and I actually saw that you had um, uh, a whole thing with Mike McCallowitz. So a lot of these gonna, concepts. Yeah, actually... <laughs> he
0: he renamed his account for his sales tax. The government's money. That's what he calls that account.
3: Yes. Yeah, so a lot of these principles actually stem from profit first. I'm a really big fan, and one thing Mike always tells people is, when in doubt, open a new account. So in this case, what I would do is I would have all the money come into your business income account. I would transfer out the sales tax first into a sales tax account, name it whatever you want. And then I would probably transfer whatever's left. So everything but the sales tax into a second account and then have the taxes pull from that account. So that way it's not messing with your sales taxes.
0: Got it. I love it. You, you said something about mixing things and that reminds me to ask you about this. I know some designers have gotten in trouble because they mix personal expenses with their business expenses. So maybe they only have one credit card and they go out to lunch with a girlfriend and they also buy tile for a client. Why is that a bad idea or is it a bad idea?
3: It's a very bad idea and it's a bad idea for two reasons. This is one of the fun things about having a tax attorney on the podcast is I can give you both a legal reason and I can give you the tax reason. So from a legal perspective, especially once you move out of sole proprietor land, once you have what I call a formal business entity like an LLC, and S-corporation, S-corpor- you now have created something separate from yourself, I always back to our analogies. I always tell people this is like the concept of mitosis and meiosis that we all learned in biology. Like, I never remember which one is which, but the point is, one cell can separate into two separate cells. And that's what happens when we form an LLC. Our business becomes its own separate entity, which means we have to have arm's length negotiations, contracts, dealings with our own business. And that's why we can't commingle our money, because if we ever get sued and we're commingling our money, a court's going to say, well, you're not treating your separate as a business. You're not treating your business as separate. So why should we treat your business as its own entity that's going to protect all your personal assets? So that's the first reason. Which
0: means they they dig into your personal assets for the money they need, potentially.
3: Correct. And it is very difficult for someone to do that. Um, That would be a very, very extreme example. But Again, so it's why, it's why we don't do that. The second reason is really um, for ease of accounting and bookkeeping. We don't want to be commingling. The IRS would also take issue to this. Um, it's not really, and this could be incorrect. I, I'd have to look into the techni- technicalities, but I don't believe it's like necessarily illegal. But what would happen is if you ever got audited, the, the IRS would say, well, if you're commingling your assets, how can we trust that, like, this transaction was personal and these five transactions were business. They're going to say it was your personal credit card. We're going to assume that these are all personal expenses and now you're just trying to write some of them off. So it's a lot easier and more clear if you just keep it totally separate.
0: That actually happened to a designer I know. That exact scenario is what happened and she ended up having to pay a huge amount of tax.
3: Yeah. We, we like that. This is why you want to have a personal bank account, business bank account, or if you're listening to Mike, many business bank accounts, right? And then ideally you want to have personal credit card and you want to have a business credit card as well. And if you're going to target and you're going to buy, you know, all your groceries, but then you also want to get some like last minute, like styling things for a photo shoot or for an install that you're doing, just put the little bar in between your transactions and tell the cashier, it's two separate transactions, I'll be using two different forms of payment. No problem. Then you have a really clean receipt.
0: Okay. Interesting. All right. So it it doesn't sound too terribly complicated yet being prepared for taxes is the big thing that we just have to understand that that money is not ours. It never was ours. It just needs to flow through without a without a stoppage
3: correct yeah a lot of a lot of the tax stuff like you people can get really really into the weeds with like hyper complex tax concepts like i was talking to my friend the other day about, um, this this, like new tax, it's not really a new tax concept, but it's something that people are talking about where if you have an S corp, you can rent your home to your S corp. And then it's, you can say like save tax money, right? A lot of people like to think about this and they get like really, really worked up about it. And it's like, okay, well, have you just started saving quarterly taxes yet? And are you doing bookkeeping on very simple deductions like your office pens, right? If you don't have receipts for your office pens yet, or you're not like taking these simple deductions, let's start sorry let's start there and we'll add complexity we'll add complexity and tax strategy as we go and our own systems get more sophisticated
0: and i don't know if this is going too far afield but when do you know you need an s corp for example
3: we could do a whole third third episode on S-Corps, but the short, the short is... So first, we have to understand how S-Corps actually work and how they save us money. When you form an S-Corp, you put yourself on salary, you pay yourself a salary, you take profit distributions, that salary has to be reasonable. So if you are an interior designer in Santa Monica, we would say, how much would we expect an interior designer in Santa Monica earn? Like in another company, that's your salary. So, your salary is subject to both income and self employment taxes. Self employment tax is Medicare and Social Security. All the other profit you have in your business that you pay out in distributions, you don't pay self employment tax on. So, that's how you save money in an S Corp. So, when do we form an S Corp? Well, you have to have, I always tell people, you gotta have at least $20,000 of profit left over in the business. After you pay your salary, so for a lot of us, that's going to require profits of eighty to a hundred thousand dollars before we start to think about that.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, is there is there anything I haven't asked about taxes? <laughs> Knowing nothing about taxes and. <laughs>
3: We, I mean, we've covered a lot of, a lot of the basics, right? There's like tons of different rabbit holes we could go down, but for the most part, another thing I do like to tell people, of course, since I'm an attorney is if you ever have an accountant tell you don't form an LLC until you're making X amount of money, you want to run, like run from that accountant or just push back LLCs actually do not change your taxes. At all. You pay a franchise tax, but it's more of an annual fee. And LLC is just a vehicle of legal protection. So we talked about that on the last podcast. It's a layer of protection for your business. Once you're profiting enough, you can elect to have your LLC taxed as an S Corp. So oftentimes, if an accountant tells you don't form an LLC until you're making this amount of money, they're really telling you you're not going to benefit from an S Corp until you hit this amount of money. But I tell people, They're stages of evolution. So you do your LLC in the beginning, and then you can elect to move into an S-corp when it's going to financially make sense for you to do so.
0: And when you move into an S-corp, you no longer need the LLC?
3: Well, you still have an LLC. An S-corp is actually not a type of legal entity. It's just a tax status. So I always make this really terrible joke. I wish we just called them S-LLCs instead. It would make a lot more sense because that's really what it is but i don't have time to go down that to, to really you know make a campaign for that
0: you're not going to form a <laughs> lobbyist uh, organization okay so just you know maybe is there any advice to give people to start really take control of these business matters, because I know a lot of people are afraid of this subject. So is there, what advice would you give people, or maybe a better question, you know what, let me ask you this, what are a few quick ideas off the top of your head, Brayden, that would really help people save on their taxes that we're just not taking advantage of?
3: Yeah. So the first thing you need to do is you're really just maximizing your deductions, right? And by maximizing your deductions, I don't mean getting creative and like just spending money. I mean, just capitalizing on taking the deductions for the things that you're already buying. One thing that drives me bonkers is seeing people spend money just to get tax deductions. You don't want to do that. That's a bad idea. Just maximize the deductions you're already spending and then get systems in place to back up those deductions, right? Ideally, you don't want to be spending a very high percentage of your time on this stuff in your business. It's not very lucrative. You just want to meet your obligations, your requirements. So come up with very simple solutions. Another thing I tell people, us especially us type A individuals, we like to take all this time to set up very, very robust client onboarding systems and project management systems. And then we realize that when we've created a 40-step client onboarding process, it's impossible to actually keep up with it. Same thing when it comes to our tax systems. So don't buy like very expensive tax and bookkeeping software if you're not going to learn how to use it. Start with it, like Start with a spreadsheet and move on from there.
0: Good advice. Keep it simple, everybody. I've just found the more complicated I get, I always end up pulling it right back and keep it simple.
3: Yeah, this is a, this. All of these tips come from personal experience.
0: <laughs> the school of hard knocks, uh, Braden. Thank you so much. Yes. Great. Even I told you, you are the one person who can make taxes interesting. So thank you for that. You know, we like to end every episode with design intervention. What comes to mind?
3: Um, so bears repeating, I think, save for your taxes this is a bit this is the biggest issue I see uh people get into they have you they get stuck on what I call the oh shit cycle, which is what happens when you get on you get behind with your taxes and then you can't save for current year taxes because you're too busy paying last year's taxes, and now all of a sudden you have to set aside forty percent of your income rather than twenty percent of your income. We don't want that to happen to you, so just start saving
0: avoid oh shit cycle is that what it's called
3: (laughs) yes yeah yeah and I talk all about that in my book if anyone wants to go grab a copy of that you can learn all about the oh shit cycle what not to do
0: tell me the name of the
3: book the book is unfuck your biz it's also the name of my podcast it's the name of all my stuff so it's kind of the brand at this point
0: and um, I picture oh shit as being like a, an Irish word, like oh apostrophe shit. I don't know why, but just I'm throwing that in there. It seems exotic. <laughs> when you need legal help, you really, really need it. So it's a good idea to pay attention and write down those names of professionals you think do a great job because when you need them, it's so comforting to know who to call.
3: Yes. Yeah. You always want to have a team of professionals for sure.
0: Yes, you do Brayden, Thank you so much. I hope life is happy and joyful and wonderful in San Diego.
3: Thank you very much. Yes. I'll be out on my patio all afternoon.
0: Oh, that sounds good.
2: Thank you for being part of the business of design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry. One design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join business of design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.